So we're back for our final uh, session as we kind of recount um, the times that we've had as we went along to the Workplace Wellness Festival that Lena's taken some great notes on and we're just going to count our way through those uh, over the next few minutes. Beyond Wellbeing, leading a thriving, generative and conscious workplace culture with Daryl Brown and Lena Mberku. We are starting again with uh, the talk number 15, which were, was about techniques to build resilience both in yourself and in others. And there was a really good panel made out of um, Gino Carafa, who is uh, a psychologist, and uh, Sam Payne, who is the CEO of Pink Elephant, uh, Dr. Mark Cross, the anxious uh, shrink that some of you may have seen on the ABC TV series Changing Minds, and um, Evie Gomo, who is a psychologist as well. Um, the moderation was done by Jenny George from Converge International. And um, yes, I mean, talks about resilience always fascinate me because uh, resilience is one of the pillars of my macro leaders model. Mm. Um, and um, I, I really like that resilience training is becoming more common in the workplace to face the biggest issues and uh, and come to the other end safely. Like that, that there is really that sense that we need now to arm our people with more tools and resources so that they can face the challenges of our time. And yeah. um, and people are more open to have difficult conversations and to. Um, um, turn the scars into stars. <laughs> into, <laughs> um, yeah, and Mark Cross mantra was, of course, diet, sleep, and exercise, which is uh, a really, those are really important foundations to build resilience. And I really liked uh, Evie Gomo's quote about uh, resilience is going from, oh my God, to aha. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Yes, when we have those less dramatic reframes. <laughs> mm, that's right. It's a reframe that's less dramatic, put it that way. It is weird. Like we, we often will um, we'll make, a, um, make a point of, not make a point, but our life sometimes we feel that it's filled with drama um, and that we're not going to be able to cope. We feel like we're not going to be able to cope. But somehow to be able to rest, and that's part of that whole resilience culture, isn't it? The whole resilience uh, understanding is to go, you're going to get through this. Let's just work it out and just be okay. Like strange things are going to happen, but you're going to be okay. Indeed, yes. I like also, though, as you were saying about Mark's uh, commentary, around his little mantra around diet, sleep, and... uh, what was that other one? Exercise. Yeah, exercise. They're really so basic, but they can can affect us so much um, emotionally. And, you know, if it's emotionally, then, you know, it affects us psychologically in the workplace and that kind of thing as well. It's it's such a big deal. And I think it's so under underestimated how much that does actually affect um, our response to situations and our response to other people, all of those kind of things. 
Yes, indeed. Like uh, food definitely affects our mood, and uh, people when they experience insomnia, they are more distracted and probably more irritable at work, and uh, have less patience and less ability to uh, focus on the important uh, things. And yeah, as we know, exercise boosts the serotonin and uh, happy hormones in the, mm. in the brain and uh, and just helps us to cope, I guess, with challenges. So I guess that's, that seems very, it, it seems very obvious, but you're right. Like so many people miss out on those basics and uh, to tragic consequences. Yes, that's right. Then we had talk number 16, which was Carly Phillips from Johnson & Johnson and explaining how she implemented the mental health strategy from the ground up. So initially she could only recruit one person from the ground that would be a, a, a champion for her ID, but then they found more and more advocates. And, uh, and even though not everybody was going to get on board, they felt that they had enough critical mass to just start and, and it worked. So, um, yeah, she's encouraging people to just start somewhere and to be willing to, uh, to create the safe spaces where it's okay to talk about mental health and to be willing to open the kind of worms and to be willing to, uh, to do their best basically to, uh, upskill the staff so that we, are all responsible for well-being. There is that sense of, of shared understanding of uh, what mental health issues are and uh, and how to work around them. Mm. I'm really impressed with um, that case study and and just how, in some ways, now as I understand it, um, this model that Carly has developed, or along with the team at Johnson Johnson in our particular area, I think that's the way they call it, the Southeast Asia APAC area. Um, that's now become a, becoming a model that is, is um, spreading out through Johnson & Johnson internationally as well. Mm. So it's, it's really, really shows that, you know, that we're on to something here uh, and a, that, that is actually of critical importance, not just for you know our resident crazies but it's 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 something that affects all of us you know as human beings all around the world indeed i'm and looking we, yeah. i'm looking forward to her as well like i think um i'm there's a number of people uh, along this thing that we'll we'll try and get onto our podcast and have a chat to and um i'll be particularly interested in in talking with uh, Carly about this program and and just uh, the encouragement that um, she might be able to bring to us around the work that we're doing in our own workplaces. Yeah, it's definitely inspiring and uh, it'll be amazing to see that uh, catch on. Yeah. So um, for number 17, which was the fire, the fire chat, sorry, Number 17 was the fireside chat, uh, how groundbreaking programs are improving mental health and well-being in the construction industry. So I found this uh, talk quite fascinating because apparently a construction worker is six times more likely to die from suicide than from work injury, which are horrible statistics. Um, and 
and um yeah it's it's actually really sad that so many uh people in the construction industry are feeling unwell yeah and i think it's a it's a challenging place i suppose we've had the more um there's that feeling that there's that more traditional really hard blokey type of characteristic that that you are if you're a, a, a tradie or a, or a you know or a, a builder or whatever it is and that may be quite isolating when you're not necessarily um, feeling able to live up to that kind of persona that that you kind of um, there's a something different between what's going what you the brave front you're putting up on the outside versus what's going on on the inside yeah, and I mentioned one of my favorite approach to well-being, which is mates looking after mates. Like, so creating a net, network of support where people look after each other and being willing to also change the, the rosters or the patterns of work um, so that people can have also more time with their family and friends. So um, one of the moves was to... Uh, allow people to work five days a week rather than six so that they could have their Saturday back. And uh, it made apparently huge change of people being able to attend their kids' football match or spend some more time with their partner or do more housework or be able to rest more, etc. Like, so workers were willing to work longer hours on Monday to Friday and then have the weekends for themselves. Yeah, that's a big discovery, yeah. And again, we we're talking about that work-life balance, and um, that is. A, I can. I actually. I think I tuned into this chat. I think it maybe it was Alison was talking about. They were pitching to do a particular um, a, a tender on a particular project, and they could get it done within this particular window of time for this much money, but. If they spend a bit more money, and it could, it might take a little bit longer, but uh, it would be, it would be really advocating the quality of life issues, and um, that was taken up, <laughs> which is Amazing. which is awesome. Yeah, mm. shows the changing priorities. You know, we we had where everything was always driven by the bottom line, regardless of the human expense, almost. But we're seeing now that. Um, we're coming around a corner where that's just, just, it's not a way that is feasible to operate anymore, you know? Indeed, indeed. Now this focus on people and planet has really changed um, the way organizations operate and, and the results are immediate. Like you can see how customers are embracing it. So the staff is happier and more motivated and more focused and people find a bit more meaning. It's, it's really important to to be able to um, uh, reset those priorities. Mm, mm, awesome. So yes, token number 18 was by Sue Langley, who had so much energy on screen. I, I still remember um, uh, the way she made me feel. It was, it was really impactful. Uh, she was speaking about stress, and of course, there's good stress and I mean, it's seen as good stress or bad stress, so new stress and distress. Uh, so the stress that is harmful and needs to be avoided, reduced, and managed is the distress. 
versus um, eustress, which is more like a heightened state of being that can be quite beneficial and moves us more to action. And that one needs to be accepted and used and embraced. Um, and uh, one way to really um, get the difference is to just feel into the body to read the clues of what's going on. Like, so you, you notice if you have sweaty palms or uh, an increased heartbeat, etc. And by calming your mind and your body, uh, have access to the messages behind the stress and be able to move into action without fret, basically. Mm. And I, she was making a point to around. Um, I think it was in the, the eustress uh, definition or whatever, but but where it's our it's almost like there's a different response to the the stressor the stressing situation when we have a a positive feeling about how we how we're going to meet the challenges of that situation, then it actually increases our resilience, and so. Um, so your attitude towards a stressful situation is the determinant between whether or not you're in distress or whether you're, you know, into the functional eustress. And because every time then you face a stressful situation and you're able to come up with a creative way through it, you're actually cementing that into your whole neurology about your ability then to be able to deal with those situations. So they become learning situations as you go through. I thought that was quite profound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's great. That still uh, relates to growth mindset and the ability to uh, look beyond what's happening to us to what stories are we telling ourselves about what's happening to us. And when you can differentiate both, I guess that helps you to manage your uh, stress and your well-being better, sure. Mm. Mm. Then we move to number 19, which was uh, another great panel with uh, Adi Wuthen, Libby Birch, um, Lauren Tretewan, and uh, Lisa Atken um, about what's the role of mindfulness in supporting employee mental health being, employee mental well being. Awesome. And this is post COVID, yes. That's right, yeah. And it's all about, again, it's about resilience, it's about adaptation to change, it's about connection, it's about uh, helping people navigate the change and um, um, being able to perform without stress. Yeah. Yeah, or <laughs> as we were just talking or about, despite the, the distress. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Without distress, yeah, so mm -hmm. that's kind of interesting. And and it is, there's a whole bunch of these new practices. As, as we work through this current dilemma on, and we help each other process it, there's so much learning in the middle of that onto then, uh, you know, just how that will then help us in, the, in, you know, in our future ways of working together as well. There's so many in some ways, good changes that are happening in the middle of this current event that um, can lead us on some really good outcomes as we move past it. 
Yeah, it's really exciting. And um, I love uh, Lisa's comment about the fact that as she's speaking to the panel, she's also engaging in mindfulness because some people still think that to be able to be mindful, you still need to sit uh, cross-legged uh, on a yoga mat or something. But um, every action, every moment can be a mindful moment. And I, I'm a high believer in that because I also developed a, a methodology called mindful cooking, which uh, allows people to bring their attention to the present moment when they are cooking or when they are eating, every time that they are in contact with food, just to remember to savor the moment. Yeah. And it's part of it's about using all the, all our um, senses, isn't it? Like, mm -hmm. so you're not just, up, stuck up in your head, so getting a task done or whatever it is, but actually, yeah, as you say, feeling the flavors or just noticing what else is going on around, listening for sounds or um, feeling, you know, whatever's going on or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Talk number 20 was really interesting because it was about the value of beauty in the workplace. And it was run by Domino Rich. I I need to apologize if there is any name of mispronouncing this whole episode. I'm sure I may have made some mistake. Um, but um, yeah, I really love the that capacity to see the holistic value of beauty. Yeah, it's kind of um, it's like that role of role of art as a way of, um, I don't know, adding to our quality of life, but reflecting our quality of life as well. And no doubt then, as we were talking before, I noticed there's something in there about cubicle land, that as we just change our environment around that, um, it can be so much more inspirational as well. Hmm. I know that that's a big thing, like, um, some of the work that I've done is is in um, advertising agencies and um, we know in some cultures within advertising agencies, the the creative space where the creative stuff happens um, is a completely different environment and it is there to kind of stimulate ideas and, and to, to be able to feel safe and yeah, to feel all the good things. Um, so that you can, so there's a, an environment where you can really generate something new and innovative. Mm. And we kind of know that, yeah, you know, when you're in a, <laughs> when you're in a, a, a cubic, a grey cubic box somewhere, then um, it's not necessarily the, um, a place that's going to lend itself to creative problem solving or even to problem solving at all, really, because it's, um, yeah, it's not contributing. It's not inspired. There's nothing that contributes to your creativity or that sparks new ideas. So yeah, I get it. Like, yeah. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, then talk number 21 by, was by Nick Smith from Wingana Retreat. And it was really good. It was on um, nutrition for optimal performance at work and how what we eat uh, can boost our energy. And he was advocating to eat smarter by adding protein to our breakfast to, to avoid the refined cereals, to jam on toast and things like that. Yeah. Um, to add some um, 
some resistant starch at lunch, so things like sweet potatoes, pumpkin, rice, dal, any other pulses. And, uh, and then to eat light and eat early at dinner to actually give the body some chance to digest and rest before, before sleep so that we have a better quality sleep. And, um, and of course to time your coffee intake with your circadian rhythms to actually know that, you know, like in my case, if I have coffee in the afternoons, I know I, I won't sleep. So if I ever have coffee and I only have coffee also twice a week, I'd only have it in the morning. Mm. Um, but he also advocates to have coffee with food because the coffee can stimulate the digestion and help break up the protein. Very good. That's and, all very practical stuff. There, yeah, isn't it? yeah. Just that reminder to take magnesium as well because that's the biggest deficiency that we have Australia wide. We we lack magnesium, and as we know, magnesium is really good for our nerves and nervous system, so that that we can handle issues better as well. Mm. The right amount of magnesium. <coughs> One of the big things um, that is different from me. I mean, you know until recent years was always growing up with that, with that idea for breakfast that you have with cereals. And we've had this kind of, um, kind of uh, upside down food or the, the food pyramid from the fifties is certainly being challenged as we speak. Um, but also the, just the, the, the complete uh, way that we've kind of built up a diet of what, you're supposed to have for breakfast or what we're supposed to have for lunch or what we're supposed to have for dinner. It's almost all up for grabs now. And the idea that protein is, is such a big deal um, versus the carbohydrates, which were always seen as, you know, stock yourselves up with carbohydrates and peter it off to the, to the protein at the top of the, the mountain. It's, mm -hmm. um, it all needs to be um, challenged again and, and looked at. And uh, it's good to see uh, those that are in the know now who have studied this have, and have come up with some real practical ways that we can modify the menu of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, indeed. Um, then there was a very friendly talk, um, this idea of the four-day week. Um, and uh, Charlotte Lockhart was um, hosting that conversation, saying that um, we've been working too hard and we tend to be exhausted before we even start our work day. So um, uh, she was a high advocate of, um, of the four-day week. Yeah, that's novel. I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> it always seems quite luxurious almost, doesn't it, to, mm -hmm. to have that. Certainly, uh, I think there's probably been a whole bunch more forced for, so to speak, um, four-day weeks um, uh, during this current era, uh, as, as um, some industries have found a bit of a downturn. Uh, so, uh, but that sounds good. I'm not sure how we'd... Um, manage that whether that means everyone earns less money or you can keep it on the same pay packet <laughs> when you're on a five-day week it'd be great to have her on uh, next on one of the episodes and uh, and ask more questions yes absolutely it's a novel idea and, and certainly we can see um within organizations now where 
um, where there is kind of perhaps job sharing and where there are overlapping rosters and certainly even right now within the COVID era, we notice that there are times where businesses have uh, shrunk the days that their uh, workers are working, that there's been this whole different rostering and all of that kind of thing. So it's, it's not unfeasible to, to, to allow it to operate in some kind of way. So, yeah. And then that takes us to the last talk of the day, which was a panel discussing uh, cultivating a growth mindset to meet challenges throughout life. And we had William Dejean, Sue Langley, Susie Green, and Dan Haisler. Um, and it was all about having this hopeful and solution-focused way to look at life and um, being able to train our brain as well and, and self-actualize, trying to become the best human being that we can be, like to be willing to learn and willing to challenge ourselves and, uh, and ask how can I use this to my best advantage? What, what can I learn from this? What, what's possible? What's a gift in this? And um, yeah, like that Susie Green said, <coughs> in, um, in our VCA world, like volatile, uncertain, um, I think it's complex and, insert and um, ambiguous, the best gift for children is to teach them to sit with discomfort. Yeah. Which is something that's almost like forgotten, I guess, that this generation yeah. is very used because it's yes the whole cotton wool kind of bubble wrap kind of culture that um the last decade or so was brought around for kids um they would hardly know what that is possibly which is not a great it's not a great fit for um for a world where things are constantly changing where there is going to be uncomfortable things happening uh, where we don't know what the heck's going on yeah but that is, it's such a big deal on our attitude towards whatever's happening in our lives and how we view that, whether we see it as a complete catastrophe, you know, whenever something doesn't go exactly as we imagined it, um, whenever we started imagining things, and just learning how we can then re, just reframe whatever it is that we're seeing in front of us to say, this is, this is not the end, this is this is a good thing. There are good things in this. And what can we pick up out of that? And what can we do with that? Yeah. Or that magic sentence, these two shall pass. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Absolutely. That. That's brilliant. Well, there you go. And what we've covered here in these, this is 23 um, talks out of, of day two. In some ways, this was only um, a portion of what was going on in the uh, in the festival itself as well, wasn't they? They had other tracks in the the minus and uh, in the uh, they had a couple of different tracks in the mindfulness um, and I think there was a financial track as well where uh, where there were discussions going on and different presentations and uh, the caliber of the people that were uh, attending and presenting was qu uh, quite phenomenal. Certainly, um, as we move forward, we'll be reaching out to a number of the presenters and uh, we're quite hopeful to, uh, to have a number of them on and we can drill them a bit deeper and, and discuss some of the, 
their themes and their hobby horses on uh, our podcast here. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to, to lead to, for some really meaty episodes. And I think, yeah, I'm excited. yeah there's, there's quite a bit, isn't it? Like really between those that are doing it really, really well within their workplaces already. So those that are in, that are in charge of, or, or have the lead role in, in, um, developing the, the well-being culture within an organisation. There's some really great case studies um, that we will seek to reach out and connect with um, and to be able to bring to you in, a, in a, a bit more in depth over some future podcasts. And then also, um, as we see from some of these talks here, there's a range of experts that bring their own expertise in there with uh, from whether they're a coach or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a, a food specialist or anything like that. Um, and if we can bring those in and, and help to upskill everybody that's listening in, then uh, that, that will be part of our goal here. I highly look forward to that. You've been listening to Beyond Wellbeing with Daryl Brown and Lena Mberku. Well, there we go. There's some great stuff in the uh, in the conference in the in the festival. As you heard, we'll we'll bring them onto the show. So um, please stick around for that. Yeah, share the podcast for us. That would be wonderful. Subscribe to it in your app if you haven't already, and uh, just be on the lookout because we'll be bringing you an episode every week. And um, if you want to find out a bit more about Lena, then uh, head over to macroleaders.com or check out her LinkedIn profile. Same with me, you can check out my LinkedIn profile at Daryl Brown, and I'm, you can see it on there. And also over at um, UpsideDownLeader.com, which gets you some of, behind some of the thinking that um, I'm starting to work through uh, with uh, leaders these days. All right, see you next time.